into the His Harline podcast, where we ignite independent and accurate thought, break the chains and shackles of mental bondage, challenge societal norms, and traverse through the timeless teachings of our Heavenly Father. Join us as we liberate minds and embrace the power of the Great Awakening while embracing true sovereignty. Welcome to the show. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Thank you for tuning in to the His Heart Lying podcast. If you want to find us on our social media platforms... You can find more shows like this on hisheartline.com. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, at my side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He's at the helm, behind the wheel, in the captain's chair, and he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters in this storm that we call life. So welcome to His Heart Line. Today's show is called The Articles of Confederation Part 1, and today's reading is going to be actually out of seven different books, or six technically, but seven verses. We're going to be reading out of Exodus, Proverbs, Psalm, Samuel, Joshua, and Deuteronomy, Um, and there's a reason for that. But before we get to that, please be advised that I'm not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer. And while I am a member of the Michigan General Journal Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the national state, county, or, uh, yeah, the national state or county assembly. And I do not endorse or advocate for violence unless it's in self-defense of me and my family. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes only. So good morning or good evening, wherever you're at in the world. Glad to have you here at His Hard Line. And if you want to know more about how to get involved in your general general assembly, you can go visit the National Assembly website. That would be www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. So... So today, it, like, it, so it was brought to my attention earlier in the week when I was talking with Destry, our, one of our fearless leaders in the assembly. He's up there uh, in the great state of Alaska, Snowbo- snowmobiling all over the mountains like a wild man. But anyway, I was talking to him on the phone this week and I asked him, I said, you know, is there anything that I did not cover? And don't get me wrong, just because I covered it once doesn't mean I'm never going to cover it again. Like I will read the Declaration of Independence again. I will read the second Declaration of Independence again that the Assembly of People put together. I will read the Fundamental Orders of 1638 and the War Manual, you know, the the um, the training manual for the Army, the 2000-25. Like I will read all that again at some point. But he said, I never heard you read the Articles of Confederation. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I guess I did not. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I guess we're going to have to do that. But before we do that, um, I want to read 
about five different quotes from our founders. Now, the first one is from John Dickinson, who is, I believe, one of the people who helped write the Articles of Confederation. Um, and this is what he says. Now, this is in favor of the Articles of Confederation. We are one nation today and 13 tomorrow. Who will be, or excuse me, who will treat us on such terms? Again, that was John Dickinson. Now, John Dickinson was a delegate from Delaware who played a key role in drafting the Articles of Confederation, expressing concerns about the weakness um, of the central government under the Articles. Now, I want to get into the other four. And this is really interesting to me because when I was looking up quotes of our founding fathers, it seems like there's more of a negative connotation of looking down on the Articles of Confederation by our founding fathers. I was quite surprised. Here's another one by George Washington. The Confederation itself is defective and requires to be altered. It is neither fit for war nor peace. George Washington. Again, he highlights the, in his opinion, the deficiencies of the Articles in providing for an effective national government. Uh, here's another quote by Thomas Jefferson. The if inefficiency of the Articles of Confederation is fully and every day felt. And again, what he is expressing here is a dissatisfaction with the articles and the limitations that they pose on central government. Um, here's another one. The Confederation is a system so radically vicious and unsound as to admit not of amendment, but of entire reconstruction. Alexander Hamilton underscoring the need for significant reform or replacement of the articles due to their inherent weakness, in his opinion, of course. And then the last one I'm going to read, it says, the present confederation, I am persuaded, is destitute of energy. This is James Madison. And he emphasized the lack of authority and effectiveness of a central government under the Articles of Confederation. Now, these quotes uh, certainly reflect a frustration of sorts, I would say. Um, based on what I read here and uh, kind of like a dissatisfaction among the founders with the limitations of the Articles of Confederation and their recognition of the need for a stronger and more effective national government, ultimately leading to the drafting and adoption of the United States Constitution. Now, so, so some would ask, well, what's the difference between the Articles of Confederation and the U.S. Constitution? Well, the biggest difference between the Articles of confederation in the U.S. Constitution is the structure and power of the central government. And the other big difference is the Constitution allowed for international commerce to be done. But overall, you would be quite surprised how a lot of our founders, like I said, uh, did not really care for the Articles of Confederation because it promoted state sovereignty instead of a stronger central government. I, I don't think they really liked that too much. See, under the Articles of Confederation, the, the central government was uh, intentionally weak, intentionally weak and limited in its authority. Well, I kind of like that idea. We don't need a strong central government. But with the Articles, it consisted primarily of a unicameral Congress, meaning not having a you know, basically what unicameral Congress is, is, is basically having a single legislative chamber in which each state had equal representation with no executive or judicial branches. 
So the central government lacked uh, the power to tax, uh, to regulate commerce, especially internationally, um, and to enforce laws, relying instead on voluntary compliance from the states. Now, in contrast, the U.S. Constitution created a stronger central government with separate branches, being the legislative, executive, and judicial, each with its own distinct uh, powers and responsibilities. And with the Constitution, you have a constitutor. So basically what that ended up doing was shifting um, the debt onto we the people also, um, if I'm understanding this correctly, because Destry was kind of uh, educating me a little bit on what that, what that did. Now, the Constitution granted the uh, federal government the authority, okay? So when the Constitution came about, it granted the federal government, the central government, authority to levy taxes at that point, to regulate commerce, uh, both inter intrastate and, you know, across our, our you know, uh, global commerce, right, around the world. And it established a national currency uh, and allowed to maintain a standing army, among other powers. And it also introduced a system of checks and balances to prevent any one branch from becoming too powerful. Well, <laughs> I laugh at that because we see where that got us today. <clears throat> we see where that got us today. And what we got is an overreaching and over corrupt, an overpowerful, corrupt, ever growing central government. That is not what was supposed to happen. So I want to go back to a term that I just used a second ago, a unicameral Congress. So basically, it's a unicameral Congress is a legislative body. This was part of the Continental Congress, right? It's a legislative body that consists of, again, just a single chamber or a house. Kind of much like our assemblies, right? A general general assemblies. And under the Articles of Confederation, the Congress was unicameral, meaning it had only one legislative chamber where all states were equally represented and each state had one vote in Congress, regardless of its population or size. And some would argue that this contributed to the weakness of a central government. And rightfully so, because if we had an overreaching and overpowerful central government, which we kind of had evolve over time, this is basically what we ended up with. And we're dealing with the issues that we're dealing with today. So one of the key principles behind the Articles of Confederation was to establish a decentralized system of government that prioritized state sovereignty and limited the power of a strong central government. We don't need a strong central government. And so the founding fathers were very wary of creating the, a government that could become too powerful and infringe upon the rights of the states and individual men and women. But again, therefore, the Articles sought to strike a balance between allowing for self-governance at the state level while still providing a framework for cooperation and collection, collective action among the states. And so the Articles of Confederation reflected the prevailing sentiment at the time, which valued local control and autonomy. And, but again, however, over time, it became clear that the weakness of article of the Articles of Confederation particularly the lack of a strong, you know, central authority hampered the ability of the government to effectively address pressing issues and maintain stability. And this realization among our fathers, uh, founding fathers, ultimately led to the drafting and adoption of the United States Constitution, which sought to strike a balance between state sovereignty and a stronger 
central government capable of addressing the nation's needs. Now, that said, it does not make this document dead on arrival when it comes to its application in today's world as we reassemble our states. This is why it is among the various important documents that lays the established foundation on which we build upon going forward in this nation. And I would like to explore a few Bible verses that draws some parallels with, with the sentiments expressed from the Articles of Confederation. So the first one would be from Exodus 18, verse 21. And it reads, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Now, this verse relates to the idea of selecting representatives or delegates to govern with integrity and fairness, similar to the appointment of the delegates in the Articles of Confederation. Here's another one. Proverbs 11, verse 14, where there is no guidance of people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And this verse emphasizes the importance of seeking a wise counsel. In collaboration, which again resonates with the idea of states of the several states, the sovereign states working together in unity for common defense and general welfare, as outlined in the Articles of Confederation. Then we have the, our third uh, reading here out of Psalm 133, verse 1 Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I like that. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Well, this verse highlights the value, obviously, of unity among brothers and sisters, which all align with the spirit of cooperation in friendship among the states mentioned in the preamble of the Articles of Confederation. And then we have Samuel. Chapter 8, verse 7. And it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Now, this verse reflects the concept of popular, uh, of popular sovereignty in the people's authority and choosing their form of government, which is, again, echoed in the Articles of Confederation, where states retain their sovereignty and independence. Then we have Proverbs. I got three more verses here. Proverbs, verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 24, verse 6. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Again, emphasizing the importance of having wise counsel and collaboration in decision-making, which is similar to the provisions that are illustrated in the Articles of Confederation for delegates to convene and deliberate on matters of common interest. Then we have Joshua verse uh, chapter 24, verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, this verse highlights the principle of individual men and women uh, in their collective choice in governance, reflecting the sovereignty retained by each state in the Articles of Confederation. 
Now, the last one, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 13, choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. This verse emphasizes the importance of selecting capable leaders, which resonates again with the appointment and the electing of delegates and other offices within our assembly, right? And uh, Continental Congress by each state to represent them in the Congress under the Articles of Confederation. So as you can see, you know, the Bible, it's no wonder why the Bible was, especially the book of Deuteronomy, and I want to say maybe Leviticus, but I know Deuteronomy for sure, why the Bible was used as one of our structural, primary, foundational um, documents, if you will, even though it's a book, it is a long document that helped draft other important documents for the foundation of our nation. This idea that is called the United States of America. Now, before um, I get into the reading of the first part of Articles of Confederation, because I'm going to read all the way up until Article, where are we at? I'm going to read all the way up until Article 8, and then we're going to stop there, do our prayer. And then on Saturday's uh, recording, on because that one's going to be recording, not live, on Saturday, I will pick it back up at Article 9 and finish out the reading. So this way, you know, it gives people a chance to kind of soak up at least some of it, because I find that when you when you throw a whole lot of information at people all at once, it kind of it's kind of counterproductive because when there's too much for the brain to comprehend and marinate with and kind of reflect on, you can't really learn as much. At least I can't. But before I do that, I want to play a video that I found again from that one page that uh, I love so much. Listen to. Uh, if I can find it, hold on a second. Listen to this. I absolutely love this. Listen to this. It took me six years to learn this, but I will teach it to you in one minute. One, life doesn't wait for you to be okay. Get up every day and keep pushing through. Two, ensure you take good care of yourself. If anything happens to you, the world will move on. Three, if you don't work to build your own life, someone will hire you and give you purpose. Four, work in silence, celebrate in private, be silent. Five, don't regret your past, just learn from it and improve. Six, nobody cares, work hard to get better each day. Seven, free yourself from society's advice. Most of them have zero idea of what they're doing. Eight, master your emotions. A calm mind can handle any situation. Nine, if you find someone better than you, don't compete. Instead, work together. 10. You're at peace with yourself when you mind your business. If you're not following... I love that. Number nine is my favorite. If you find someone better than you, don't compete. Work together. I was listening to an audiobook. I wish I could remember the exact title of it. But I was listening to an audiobook that... Um, that said don't focus on competition don't don't focus on being competitive with other people or if you're a business owner having your business being competitive or look at it as competition right um 
I've always heard uh, in that book that I was listening to this week, as a matter of fact, because like I said, I've been damn, damn near listening to about, I don't know, eight, nine audiobooks so far this week, um, that instead of being competitive, we want to have, instead of having a competitive mindset, we want to have a creative mindset because when we are creative, because there's enough to go around for all people, right? There's enough customers, there's enough opportunity, there's enough money, there's enough land, there's enough resources. Like God provides enough of everything. We have to get out of that scarcity mindset and, and approach life with an abundance mindset. That's where choosing our words properly come into effect. My wife and I, we were just talking about this earlier, how I'm going to avoid words like trying. Because trying only allows, you know, basically means you're just going to, you know, half can it and just dip your toe in the water and just, you know, you try food, okay? You try food. You don't try the assembly. You don't try in a marriage. You don't try at your job. You do, and you do your best. You don't have to be perfect, but you just do it. Don't try, you do. The other word I want to avoid, wishing. We don't wish for anything. No more wishing, okay? Wishing is basically, because God's not a genie. Don't wish for things. Don't wish for things. You pray for things. And the last thing that I'm trying to avoid, <laughs> there it is, I see. You see how conditioned we are? Try, that I'm going to avoid. Is um, there's try, there's wish, um, and oh, now it's it's fleeting me. Um, ah, luck. When people say good luck or I wish you luck, no, not luck. Don't wish people luck. Say I I I, I hope God will be with you in this race. May God be with you on your endeavor of your business venture. May God be with you during X, Y, and Z, right? Yes, I like that. Let your spirit fly free, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's very important to watch your words. It's very important. So anyway, now let's get into the reading of the Articles of Confederation. So it starts with, to all whom that these presents a shell. Well, hold on a second. I want to make sure of something here. Let me see here. I just wanted to, I should have had this up. Let me just pull up a Google a.com real quick. My apologies. I should have already had this already up, but I didn't. Uh, let me pull this up. All right. That's what I thought. I just want to make sure. Oh, of course. And then I minimize what I needed like a, a nincompoop. Okay. So, all right. So to all whom these presents, presents shall come, we, the undersigned delegates of the states affixed to our names, send greeting. Whereas the delegates of the United States of America in Congress assembled did on the 15th day of November in the year of our Lord, 1777, and in the second year of the independence of America, agree to certain articles of confederation and perpetual union between the states of New Hampshire, Massachusetts Bay, Rhode Island, and Providence Plantations, 
Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia in the words following this Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union between the states of New Hampshire, Massachusetts Bay, Rhode Island, and the Providence Plantations, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Uh, Article 1. Article 1. The style of this confederacy shall be the United States of America. Simple. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. I don't think that first article really needs much um, explanation. It's pretty, pretty self-evident, right? Article two. <clears throat> Each state retains its sovereignty, freedom, and independence in every power, jurisdiction, and right, which is not by this confederation expressly delegated to the United States in Congress assembled. In simpler terms, this article means that each state keeps its own power. They keep their own freedom and their independence. They maintain their independence. That's the way it should be. Each state is an independent and you know an independent nation equals state. We're like little separate countries in this in this place we call America. And so anything not specifically given to the central government, meaning the United States and Congress assembled, right? remains under the control of the, or excuse me, anything not specified, you know, given to the central government, it remains under the control of the individual states or the people within those states. Now, Article 3 says that the said states hereby severally enter into a firm league of friendship with each other for the common defense, the security of their liberties, and their mutual and general welfare, binding themselves to assist each other against all force of offered to or attacks made upon them or any of them on account of religion, sovereignty, trade, or any other pretense, whatever. Very self-explanatory there, I would imagine. Now, Article 5, excuse me, 4, can't read my Roman numerals. Article 4, the, the better to secure and per perpetuate, perpetuate mutual friendship and intercourse among the people of the different states in this union and the free inhabitants of each of these states, papers, vagabonds, and fugitives from justice accepted shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of free citizens in the several states, and the people of each state shall have free ingress and regress to and from any other state and shall enjoy therein all the privileges of trade and commerce, subject to the same duties, impositions, and restrictions as the inhabitants thereof, respectively, provided that such restrictions shall not extend so far as to prevent the removal of property imported into any state to any other state of which the owner is an inhabitant, provided also that no imposition, duties, or restrictions shall be laid by any state on the property of the United States or either of them. If any person guilty of or charged with treason, felony, or other high misdemeanor in any state shall flee from justice and be found in any of the United States, he shall upon demand of the governor or executive power of the state from which he fled be delivered up and removed to the state having jurisdiction of the offense. Full faith and credit shall be given in each of these states to the records 
acts and judicial proceedings of the courts and magistrates of every other state. So in other words, in other words, the citizens have the equal rights and can freely travel between states for trade, right? Engaging in interstate commerce. See, intrastate is within the state, right? Interstate is crossing state borders. Now, when I was talking about fugitives, it was saying also how fugitives must be returned to face justice and states must recognize and honor each other's legal decisions and, and records. Now we get into Article 5. So Article 5 states that for the more convenient management of the general interest of the United States, delegates shall be annually appointed in such a manner as the legislature of each state shall direct to meet in Congress on the first Monday in November and every year with a sense reserve with a power reserved to each state to recall its delegates or any of them. And at any time. <clears throat> within this year and to send others in their steed for the remainder of the year. No state shall be represented in Congress by less than two nor more than several me seven members, and no person shall be capable of being delegate for more than three years in any term of six years, nor shall any person being a delegate be capable of holding an, any office under the United States for which he or another for his benefit receives any salary fees or emolument of any kind. Each state shall maintain its own delegates in a meeting of the states, and while they act as members of the committee of the states in determining questions in the United States in Congress assembled, each state shall have one vote. Freedom of speech and debate in Congress shall not be impeached or questioned in any court or place out of Congress, and the members of Congress shall be protected in their persons from arrest and imprisonment during the time of their going to and from and attendance on Congress except for treason, felony, or breach of the peace. So, in short, what this is saying Article 5 stipulates that state legislatures appoint delegates annually to Congress with each state able to recall and replace them as needed. Representation uh, ranges from two to seven members per state serving limited terms. Keyword there, limited terms. We don't see that with our big, giant, overgrown, big brother central government. We got people in there that have been serving for 40, 50 years. And I don't know if I want to use that word serving. They've been self-serving themselves. They haven't been serving we the people. That's for freaking sure. But states must support their delegates, each state having one vote in Congress. And members enjoy freedom of speech and debate in Congress and are protected from arrest except for serious crimes while attending sessions. Now, Article. Six says that no state without the consent of the United States in Congress assembled shall send any embassy to or receive any embassy from or enter into any conference, agreement, alliance, or treaty with any king, prince, or state, nor shall any person holding any office of profit or trust under the United States or any of them except of any present emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever. 
from any king, prince, or foreign state, nor shall the United States in Congress assembled or any of them grant any title of nobility. No two or more states shall enter into any treaty, confederation, or alliance, whatever, between them without the consent of the United States in Congress assembled. Specifying accurately the purposes for which the same is to be entered into and how long it shall continue. No state shall lay any impost or duties which may interfere with the stipulations in treaties entered into by the United States in Congress assembled with any king, prince, or state in pursuance of any treaties already proposed by Congress to the courts of France and Spain. No vessels of war shall be kept up in time of peace by any state except such number only or shall be deemed necessary by the United States in Congress assembled for the defense of such state or its trade, nor shall anybody or anybody of forces be kept up by any state in time of peace, except such time only, excuse me, except such number only as in the judgment of the United States in Congress assembled shall be deemed requisite to garrison the forts necessary for the defense of such state. But each, every state, shall always keep up a well-regulated and disciplined militia, sufficiently armed and accounted, uh, excuse me, uh, accoutred, and sh- armed and accounted. I, I don't know this word. I don't know if it's misspelled or if it's like an old English word. Um, I'm going to go and say it's probably accoutred. I don't know, and shall provide and constantly have ready for use in public stores a due number of field pieces and tents and a proper quantity of arms, ammunition, and camp equip equipment, equipage. No state shall engage in any war without the consent of the United States in Congress assembled unless each state be actually invaded by enemies or shall have received certain advice of a certain of a resolution being formed by some nation of Indians to invade such state. And the danger is so imminent as not to admit of a delay till the United States in Congress assembled can be consulted, nor shall any state grant commissions to any ships or vessels of war, nor letters of mark or reprisal, except it be after a declaration of war by the United States in Congress assembled, and then only against the kingdom or state and the subjects thereof against which war has been so declared. And under such regulations as shall be established by the United States in Congress assembled, unless such state be infested by pirates, in which case vessels of war may be fitted out for that occasion and kept so long as the danger shall continue or until the United States and Congress assembled shall determine otherwise. Okay, that was a lot. That was a lot. So Article 6 of the Articles of Confederation states in simpler terms here that the states cannot conduct foreign relations. The states cannot conduct foreign relations without Congress's consent. Officials cannot accept gifts from foreign entities. States cannot form treaties among themselves without Congress's approval. Again, it's all up to the people, folks. The people have to approve. Why? Because the people... And Congress assembled and General General Assembly is the largest and most important branch of government because it's the people who are the the boss. And they cannot and and, and so and, and also states cannot impose duties 
conflicting with Congress's treaties. Additionally, states must maintain militias for defense, but they cannot maintain standing navies without Congress's approval, again, by the people. And finally, states cannot declare war without, ladies and gentlemen, Congress's consent, that's right, except in imminent danger and cannot issue letters of mark or reprisal without Congress's congressional approval. So that's basically what that's stating in lesser, simpler terms. Now, Article 7 states that when land forces, this is what it says, when land forces are raised by any state for the common defense, all officers of or under the rank of colonel shall be appointed by the legislature of each state respectively by whom such forces shall be raised or in such manner as such state shall direct. And all vacancies shall be filled up by the state which first made appointment. Again, I think this article seems to be very self-explanatory. Very self-explanatory. I don't think much needs to be uh, explained here. On Article 8. <clears throat> Article 8 states that all charges of war and all other expenses that shall be incurred for the common defense or general welfare and allowed by the United States and Congress assembled shall be defrayed out of a common treasury, which shall be supplied by the several states. I'm going to pause there for a second. I'm going to say this and reiterate it which shall be supplied, right? The common treasury, which shall be supplied by the several states, not a central banking system, not a federal reserve, ladies and gentlemen, the common treasury supplied by the several states. Continuing the reading, in proportion to the value of all land within each state granted to or surveyed for any person. As such land in the buildings and improvements thereon shall be estimated according to such mode as the United States in Congress assembled shall from time to time direct and appoint. The taxes for paying that proportion shall be laid and levied by the authority and direction of the legislatures of the several states within the time agreed upon by the United States in Congress assembled. So in other words... Article 8 is stating that expenses for common defense and general welfare, only approved by Congress assembled, will be paid from a shared treasury funded by the states based on their land value. States will collect taxes for this purpose as directed by Congress. Not a general state and federal income tax, not a general property tax, all that crap. Go, will go away. Jason, you've been talking about this for the last year and a half to two years. Well, as they say, patience is a virtue and nothing happens overnight. Just watch and wait. But this states right here that a tax can be collected for a specific purpose, not to just be there and never have a sunset clause. No. So, this will conclude the reading of part one of the Articles of Confederation. So when we recon, you know, when I get back uh, in the studio on Saturday, um, I'm not sure. I may or may not let that be a live listening if people want to listen live. But um, the official live live where I, you know, will typically uh, read more comments and engage with the audience is always going to be Sunday. Um, 
So, but that this, uh, the part two will be on Saturday where I will pick up off with article nine and read the following all the way down to article, I believe it's 13. Is that where we're at here? Let me look. Yeah. Article 12. Yeah. Article 13, 13 articles. All right. So, but anyway, but, um, I'm glad, I'm glad Destry pointed that out to me because I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I could have sworn I read these articles of confederation, but no, it was the end you know, declaration of independence and the constitution and the Magna Carta. I've read a lot on the air over the last couple of years, but I had never gotten around to reading the articles of confederation, which is surprising because this is actually a pretty important document uh, for our foundation. It really is. So I'm glad I'm getting to it now. And I'm going to also post this on the link on my website, hisharline.com, on the assembly edu tab. So this way you don't have to go searching for it on Podbean. A lot of the relevant um, episodes you can find that are related to educational purposes for, you know, of the assembly and our, you know, history on the assembly edu link on hisharline.com. Now, I haven't done much with that website lately, but I'm going to make a conscious effort to at least make sure I do one or two updated posts on the posting section of the website. Um, Cause I haven't, I looked, I haven't really posted anything on my posting page of that website since November. So it's been a couple few months, but it's also been busy Yeah, Christmas. And then I was out of town for a whole month in January. And then February has just been nonstop busy with family functions, stuff like that. My wife and daughter and I, we're going to go see Lord of the dance. That's something that my wife has always wanted to see. It's on her bucket list. So I'm like really happy and pleased to be the one to share that experience with her and, um, give her that, um, experience, right. She can mark that off on her bucket list. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've never, it's never been something that I thought about wanting to see, but after seeing, uh, YouTube videos of the Lord of the dance and how, just how amazing the choreographed, um, you know, the choreography of that show is and how fast they move their feet and the, the, the power and the strong sounds of the music, you know, the Irish music, it really just, it resonates with you, you know, and I'm not Irish, but boy, it gives you almost like a, a wartime feeling like, you know, like, cause it builds up a story. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I, I really am. I'm very much excited to see Lord of the dance. So excited, so excited. But anyways, but um, I hope that this has been very helpful for a lot of you. I hope the shows going forward, you will find a lot of value and it will teach you something. Because like I said, over the month of January, when I was reflecting on um, how I wanted to proceed forward with the show, because I felt like toward the tail end of 2023, and I was telling Destry this and my wife this, I was like, you know, I just feel like I'm not providing <clears throat> I'm not providing the service that I, I thought I think I should be like, I feel like it's been lacking and, and it has been because I had a couple people message me saying, I'm so glad you did what you did and God is good and how he answers prayers and how he calls his people because other people were feeling the same way I was. And I'm okay to hear that because that just shows me that I, I, I'm, I, that I'm in tune with, with what is, what should be and what shouldn't be, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but it, it makes sense to me. And so I want to make sure that I eliminate the fluff and I provide nothing but solid content um, 
factual content, factual stories. I want to, you know, share stories with you because stories are fun to listen to as well. And when I say stories, I mean real life stories that actually have a lesson behind it. Something that maybe I went through or somebody else went through, how we can learn from it. But more importantly too, again, fostering that, um, that continuous daily, I don't want to call it a habit, but that daily connection with Jesus and growing in a stronger relationship with Jesus. Because without God and our Lord Jesus Christ, we can't really do much on our own going forward. We have we we can't rely on our own understanding and our own quote unquote wisdom. God's wisdom we can rely on and lean on. But we need God going forward in our lives. We need God in our marriage. We need God in our households and how we conduct our jobs, how we uh, purchase little menial items. You know, we ask God, look, do, do I need this? Can I live without it? Right. We need to involve God on every single thing and aspect of our lives. Well, Jason, that kind of sounds a little ridiculous. Is it? Because in my opinion, it seems like when you're always engaged in a conversation with God, whether if it's verbally or in your mind, you are not allowing room for the devil to come in and infiltrate your mind to persuade you to do other things. Don't have an idle mind, right? Always be concentrating on what you're doing. Be present with your purpose. And so with that, it means having self-mastery over yourself. Having self-mastery means you are in control of your mind because the mind is a powerful thing, ladies and gentlemen. I think the Matrix, the movie The Matrix, really, we can learn a lot of important lessons from that. The mind truly is the most powerful computer in the world. But we have been so conditioned through bread and circus distractions that they call entertainment and sports and whatever else and social media and alcohol and drugs and pornography. And you just insert gambling, insert vice here that has been used to distract us and to keep us away from our true purpose and power that we have within us that was instilled by God. So anyway, with that. Let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we come before you today with hearts filled with gratitude for the blessings of liberty and freedom that you have bestowed upon us. And we thank you for the wisdom and courage of our forefathers who crafted the Articles of Confederation, laying the foundation of, for a government by, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And as we reflect on the principles of self-governance and limited government outlined in the Articles of Confederation, we are reminded of the importance of humility and reverence of the power of the people. We ask that you help us to remember that true strength lies in the unity and cooperation and guide us in our effort to uphold these principles in our communities and our nation. Father, we also pray for the, a return to the values of freedom and self-determination where every man and woman is empowered to pursue their dreams and aspirations without fear of oppression or tyranny. And may we always strive to protect the rights and liberties of all, regardless of race, creed, or background. And Lord, we humbly ask for your guidance and wisdom as we navigate the challenges of our time. Grant us the courage to stand up for what is right and just, even in the face of adversity, and help us to be mindful of those who may not have a voice and inspire us to advocate for the marginalized and oppressed 
and we lift up in prayer for those who may be struggling or suffering silently, unable to voice their prayers or express their faith. May they find comfort and solace in your presence, knowing that you are always near to the brokenhearted and the downtrodden. In your mercy, we ask that you hear our prayers. We ask that you guide us in the path of righteousness, and may we always seek to honor you in all that we do. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so remember, ladies and gentlemen, here at His Hard Line, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. And the enemy will not cross that line anymore. Why? Because it's men and women like you and I who hold this line firm. And to make sure that no one veers over that line accidentally, we are the watchers on the wall. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a great day, great night, wherever you're at in the world, and we will see you back here next time. God bless. To find more shows like this, you can visit hishardline.com. And to learn more about your involvement with your local General Jural Assembly, you can visit national-assembly.net. His Hardline Podcast. His Hardline Podcast. Podcast. exercise caution regarding any organization purporting to be an assembly and claiming similar objectives such as the American States Assembly, National Liberty Alliance, Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA Tactical Civics, or any entity diverging from the officially recognized Michigan model acknowledged by seven countries and the United States military. Furthermore, it's important to clarify that we do not endorse or recognize status corrections.